This is the Tinkered Thinking Podcast. Episode 800, Game Your Brain. This episode is dedicated to Terrence. You can connect with Terrence on Twitter with the handle at InkWithTerrence. You are a system. Your brain, your body, and even your life is an interconnected set of systems. Mental health is highly correlated with a sense of agency, the sense that you can actually do something and that it will have an impact on the world around you. Mental health declines when we lack a sense of agency. And what does this mean in terms of these systems? It means that there's a disconnect between your brain as a system and your larger life as a system. The two together as a system themselves aren't functioning properly. Many people point the finger outward at the way the world is, and blame that system for the malfunction, the disconnect between their own self and their ability to have an effect. But all this does is further relinquish a sense of agency. The system can't really hear you. Other people can, sure. And so such complaints might have a meaningful impact on the minds of others. But how does this affect your own sense of agency? Can you see the impact? Can you measure it? Do you have evidence? If your focus is on the so-called system and it doesn't seem to change, how does that inform your sense of agency? Certainly the result can easily be for the worse. In psychology, this leads to something called learned helplessness. If a person or even an animal like a dog attempts to change their situation but their efforts have no effect, and this ineffective effort is taken enough times, the person will begin to believe that they can't actually do anything. Then, when placed in a new environment where an impact can be made, such a person won't even try. Success on a personal level, up to the level of society, boils down to gaming the system. This phrase generally has a negative connotation associated with cheating and tricks. Wikipedia has a definition ideally worded for this discussion. Quote, Gaming the system can be defined as using the rules and procedures meant to protect a system to instead manipulate the system for a desired outcome. There is nothing inherently malicious in this description. It's certainly easy to see how this tactic is a good fit for nefarious aims, and we're all quite certainly aware of how our larger shared systems have been gamed in ways that are perhaps unfair, But now turn this mechanism back on yourself. If you consider yourself as a system, defined by the way you habitually behave and think, encoded, we might say, by the structure of your brain, the layout of neurons, and the way they are calibrated to habitually fire, then ask, has your system been gamed? Certainly, the proof lies in the tension between the words influence and manipulate. We've all been influenced by those around us, and certainly a great many of us would admit to being manipulated, be it by lovers or politicians or car salesmen. But the two words mean the same thing. One is merely positive, and the other is negative. Both words define some sort of transitive effect that's carried out on one party by another with the aim of creating a desired outcome. Whether that outcome is to sell a broken car or get a vote or to avoid telling the truth about what exactly someone was last night and who they might have been with. 
Notice for a further moment that much the same thing is happening when someone is trying to tell a convincing lie, or someone is trying to tell the truth. In both instances, the effort is to convince the listener to believe something in a certain way. Now, consider this question. Can a system game itself? Time for a personal story, something that just about never happens on Tinker Thinking. Ever since I first read the book Siddhartha by Herman Hesse about the young Buddha, I've had the desire to be a meditator, and for all my effort, I couldn't figure out how to make it a solid practice. I tried many times over the course of many years until finally, I stopped trying. Despite the fact that countless people, just like me, had figured out how to make a practice of meditation over millennia, somehow I just couldn't. Does this sound familiar? This was an instance of learned helplessness. My efforts consistently failed to have the desired effect, and so I stopped trying. Seems sensible. How many times can we remember hearing the advice, well, if it's not working out, then just stop, do something else? How many times a day is this advice given? How many people are instead saying something like, well, if it's possible, then there must be something you're still not seeing about how it works? Not nearly as many. Many years later, several key pieces of information fell into place that allowed me to game my brain. The first is that structural changes in the brain as attributed to meditation are not detectable until after three to four months of daily practice. What this means is there's a bunch of grunt time that you've got to put in. The next piece of information has to do with habit formation. Doing something sporadically is the functional equivalent of not doing it at all. On top of this, sporadic effort is far less likely to result in any tangible result, especially with something like meditation, which takes a few months before anything worth much notice takes effect. That being said, as an aside, there are recent clinical studies that show consistent meditation for just 10 days reduces stress by a noticeable percentage, and this percentage increases significantly by the time you hit 30 days in a row. Nonetheless, there appeared to me to be a virtuous fitting together of puzzle pieces. By the time meditation starts to have an effect on my brain, I'll already have passed that critical threshold of habit formation, of doing something 30 days in a row. The whole endeavor was suddenly much simpler. I'm just going to sit here every day for at least 10 minutes and not worry about progress or doing it correctly or anything. I realized that I could game the system of my brain by focusing solely on the idea of creating a behavioral habit with the realization that if it just kept happening as a part of the daily autopilot, then I would eventually reap the benefits. It worked. Something similar has happened with Tinkered Thinking. Today marks 800 episodes, over half a million words churned out a little bit every day. It certainly seems like an impressive number, but somehow it has required surprisingly little effort. How can that be? The brain was gamed. Tinker thinking became a habit, and now the distinct behavior of a person sitting down to write for 20 or 30 minutes has become a default facet of each and every day. 800 episodes is just the compounded result of one thing done every day. The effect of gaming systems in this way creates a rippling effect. First you game your own brain, 
and begin to see better results in your day. Then with that increased agency, your ability, probability, and possibility of gaming a larger system in which you exist goes up. Tinker thinking started off as a somewhat accidental gaming of one brain, and now the message of tinkered thinking has thousands of people paying attention. And the hope is that this content games their brains for the better. We call this influence, but it's my hope that tinkered thinking gives people the knowledge and the tools and the curiosity to hopefully systematically manipulate and game their own brains so that each and every one of us can have a little more agency. Not only does this make us have better well-being, but it also means that our chances of having a meaningful impact on the world as a system goes up. It's a stale platitude to say it all begins with oneself. It's true, but the platitude is incomplete. It implies some sort of magic combination of willpower and faith that somehow transforms you into a force for good. And that setup of expectation does very little good. It's far more practical and effective to look at yourself as a system, a system that can be gamed, a system that can game itself. The original description of gaming the system defines the use of rules and procedures that are meant to protect a system. That's a key right there. Why do we as individuals have habits, both good and bad? Well, the brain can't tell much difference between the good and bad ones. It just does them because they make up the set of behaviors that have worked in the past. One of the rules or procedures that is baked into our beings is this habit circuitry. It may even be responsible for things as fundamental as breathing and eating, things which we do habitually and which protect, support, and maintain our system as a living organism. It's this habit circuitry that is perhaps the most approachable and offers the greatest potential return. It's the thin edge of the wedge that helps us crack open the door to a better life. But as with any system, there are many levers to pull and many buttons to press. And often, we don't hit upon the right combination for a while. And sometimes, we stop, thinking we can't do it. The same is true of our thoughts many of which just aren't helpful. And in order to game that mental world, in order to game your brain, you first have to start by tinkering with your thinking. This is the Tinkered Thinking Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you find the Tinkered Thinking Podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, you can share it on social media with your friends, you can blog about it or discuss it on your own podcast, or you can support it directly, and you can do this on the support page at tinkeredthinking.com. Both one-time support and monthly subscription support options are available. Thank you for your support of the show. It's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Any feedback or questions are always welcome, so feel free to reach out. And until tomorrow, remember to be careful about the context.